That old Virginia Slims ad said, you've come a long way, baby, but have you? This time on Poll Hub, March is Women's History Month, and we're asking whether public opinion polling on questions about women in society is matching the reality shown in statistical data. Then from roughly the same era as that cigarette ad, how am I doing? New York City Mayor Ed Koch's famous question to people he ran into in the streets of New York, and that's the same question we just asked New Yorkers about their new mayor, Eric Adams. We'll talk about that. Finally, Lee's fun fact allows him to toot his own horn and march to the beat of a different drummer. Maybe at the same time? I don't know. Curious? Stick around to the end. It's a good one. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper. And I'm Mary Griffith, in for Barbara Carvalho. And I'm Lee Marengoff. March is Women's History Month, and I probably shouldn't be saying that because I'm a guy, but, you know, thanks for letting me speak a little bit of my piece here. Um, We thought it would be interesting to look. uh, There's some new polling. Gallup did some new polling, for instance, around uh, people's perception of women in society in America. Uh, And actually, they did it internationally as well. Uh, We thought it would be interesting to look at what the perception is versus what the reality is shown in some statistical data regarding women in society. So let me start real quick with the Gallup uh, survey. It shows that 60% of Americans are now satisfied with the position of women in the country, in in society. There is a gender gap, perhaps not surprisingly. 56% of women say that, 66% of men, so there's a 10-point gap, say that. One thing that stood out was a little surprising, maybe, uh, Republican adults without a college degree are the most satisfied of, of, of the demographic groups we looked at. Uh, so that group thinks that, that women are, are, feel like women are probably doing the best. The data that we're talking about, though, is regarding violence against women um, and the numbers there, and then this pandemic uh, uh, and what it's done to the economic conditions and the job prospects for women. And that's what we're going to get into. Um, I will shut up. I'm, I'm a guy. We've got a couple of women on the panel today, though, that have a lot to, to say about this. Mary, take it away. Well, please, Jay, don't shut up. But I'm not really <laughs> surprised, not surprised at all by that 56% of women who are satisfied um, with the with women's position in the nation currently. Um, I grew up in the generation, um, I was a teenager in the 1990s, and always had this perception that women could have it all. They could have the career they could have the family and they could just chug along swimmingly. Well, now that I'm, and I'm gonna say it, a 40 something with three young children uh, and working, um, you can have it all, but there is a cost involved in that. And as Casey Schaff and I, our uh, production manager, supervisor rather, were talking about just the other day, it's a lot easier when you have a lot of resources at your disposal, like household help or a nanny or childcare, who can help you have it all. So, you know, whatever the cost is for a a woman individually, whether it be less sleep, whether it be less time with her kids, whether it be um, feeling guilt about not being with her kids while at work or feeling the stress of not getting everything done at work because they need to take time for family life. It is difficult to say that women can have it all. That's just my position. It might be a controversial position to take. That said though, I will say that women, have more opportunities certainly than they did a few decades ago. So in terms of the opportunities, I think that women do see more opportunities, but I think that the next generation really needs to pick up the torch and fight for equality uh, for the opportunities, because I do think that there is a great deal of difference between the, the opportunities that women and men face 
in society in general. Um, so Athen, you, you are a sophomore at Marist College. Thrilled to have you here today. So what are your what is your perception of women's role in America today? She's also, we should just note, she's the editor now of the podcast. Right. So she's, she, we didn't randomly bring her in from, from uh, anywhere. Athens has been uh, uh, producing, helping produce and edit the podcast now for, for uh, most of her sophomore year. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, well, it's fun to switch roles and actually be on the podcast. Um, and I can't wait to edit my own voice this week. But um, <laughs> I, for me, my perception on women's roles in society, I think there's no, there's no doubt that women's roles have come a long way and have definitely improved in past generations. But I think the question of should we be satisfied there's definitely a long, long ways to go. Um, in my own experience, like there's still so many obstacles, inequality that maybe aren't outright in your face misogyny, but still impede women and their goals in life. You know, I'm 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 the uh, the senior senior statesman here, the eldest, and uh, you know, I I totally get what you guys are saying. It's Athens and and. Uh, you know, things have changed. Um, when I was a kid in the 50s and then the 60s, my mom couldn't get a credit card without her without my father's signature. Um, and that spoke to just the inequity of it all. Uh, and, and I guess in her generation, it was unusual for people to work full time. Uh, women, uh, she wasn't the sole breadwinner, but she was, uh, you know, uh, working full time while, while I was a, a youth um, growing up. Uh, but, but I think, you know, to fast forward to the recent events of the, of the pandemic, I mean, to, to get a sense of, uh, uh, you know, and you can talk more uh, eloquently than I on this, but I mean, there were pay equity issues, we know that, but then again, where did the pandemic hit the worst? It hit the retail sector, the food service sector, more female employees there than not and then when if you know god forbid the pandemic hit home um you know women's role then became to double double down in terms of not only the responsibilities but also the economy of of the situation so i mean it's just so much still on the plate and and the recent events um have really driven that home and maybe that's why even some of the satisfaction numbers that Gallup found have actually declined a little bit since 2000, which I was struck by. Uh, so the, uh, you know, things are better, but not necessarily uh, being perceived to be that. And there's still the gap. This is not to take away from the stress or the experience that men felt during the peak of the pandemic. There's no question about that. But the data has shown that women have taken on, had to take on greater roles and had to perhaps leave behind a job to care for children who were, were um, who were learning from home and had their own uh, challenges to deal with during that time. Um, and I think that really comes back to this idea of opportunities afforded to women and how those opportunities are now greater than, than they were previously. That does have a lot to do with women's socioeconomic positions as well. But I do wanna get back to Athen in terms of the impediments um, that you see in, in, at your for your generation to that equality. So Athen, please. Um, well, I think it's just kind of the, the resources that women are afforded or the lack of. Um, I mean, I'm a political science major 
and I see in my classes, it's a very male dominated field that you are not really expected. You kind of have to fight more. You have to have a louder voice to kind of get your foot in the door. And I've kind of been conditioned in my classes to expect that, to expect to have to work harder or push harder to be able to get a position or to be able to run for office or get into law school. You have to work harder or prove yourself more to be able to get into a position that's typically male dominated. There's still there's still big pay gaps. You know, that's one of the things that comes up. Do you, when you're in class, actually I have two questions. One, when you have a female versus a male professor, are the classes different? One question. And two, when you think about having to work harder and be better, uh, in order to get into law school or, or whatever, and you look at the pay gaps, do you feel like that's surmountable for your generation, that that gap will close? Sorry to ask two questions um, at once. No, that's okay. Uh, the first question, uh, there's an immediate difference um, in the way that, like, at least the professors, like, even when you see examples, like when they talk about examples, I feel like female professors are more likely to use they or she in an example to, it's less, it's less um, it feels less excluding. And they're more likely to have more diverse examples when they're talking in, cl in class. Um, to answer your second question, I don't think I'm very optimistic about the wage gap. Um, when I was 16, I experienced the wage gap for in my first job. And I think it's something that a lot of people, um, it doesn't matter what age you are, you can still experience it. And I think, you know, you hear statistics that say the wage gap isn't gonna close for another 80 years. So I'm not super optimistic about it closing. And I think it's definitely something that my generation is gonna have to push for and really fight harder to get to close. You know, Ethan, when you shared your experiences, I had a visceral reaction to that. I became very angry and very agitated by what you were sharing um, because there is, it hasn't changed. You know, women, I think over the decades have felt that they have to push harder. Their voices have to be louder. They need to be heard. And it made me upset physically to hear that that hasn't changed and that hasn't gotten better for you because it is something that, I've experienced. It's something that so many women before me have experienced that. And it just shows that the fight was continue and that there is a lot of change that needs to happen. Um, and I'm sorry uh, that we haven't gotten there yet for you, but I do hope that you will push forward. And I know you, you're going to push, you're going to have your voice heard. You are smart, you are talented and just never be afraid to ask for what you deserve because it is so important and it is so important for you to hold on to your self-respect and to your dignity as you move forward. And that's just my own personal piece of advice. But I think that if there are any younger women listening out there, please take that advice and please don't stop fighting for what you deserve. Here, here. Uh, Athen, thank you so much for uh, joining us for this segment. Uh, <laughs> I know you're on the podcast every week, but everybody doesn't get to hear you. And now we know uh, why we should hear from you more. So let's dig into some poll numbers that the Marist Poll just released this week. And we've gone local this time around, focusing on New York City and on the job performance of Mayor Eric Adams. And this is the first time that we've measured Adams' performance since he took office at the beginning of January. So Lee, the floor is yours. How is Mayor Eric Adams doing? 
Well, I think the numbers speak to the fact that he's off to a good start. Um, I think if you had to put a narrative together, you'd say things are going well for him. He's been very active. He's been very visible. Uh, people are responding favorably to him, a 61% approval rating, 62% in our polls say they have a favorable impression of him. Uh, and the numbers are interesting because they're across the board. It's similar in the different boroughs. It's similar. Democrats are a little more favorable than Republicans, but Republicans, a majority of them, as well as independents, are, are approving of the job he's doing. And it cuts across racial lines, white, blacks, Latinos, etc. So in a sense, He's got a very broad sense of support, a wide following. But when you dig down a little bit more, you see that a lot of people are still, you know, holding out, waiting and see uh, the double digit numbers for people who don't know or, or say they're unsure about him. Uh, that's still there to be uh, dealt with. And, and I think that we see it in the low numbers for those who both strongly approve of him and strongly disapprove. He's not particularly polarizing at this point. Um, that's good and bad. Uh, he can build on that and solidify the numbers, or things can start to turn against him should events warrant that uh, or his performance. So in a sense, it's early. This looks like a poll that's done early on in the mayor's uh, uh, tenure. Um, and the numbers are positive, uh, despite some convincing that he needs to do. I thought it was interesting. I, I covered um, Dinkins, Giuliani, Bloomberg, de Blasio, obviously not, not Eric Adams, because he just got elected uh, as a political reporter. And I thought it was interesting looking back at our numbers all the way back that that uh, de Blasio and Adams, Adams doing a little bit better than de Blasio, but they both are kind of significantly lower than the initial impression numbers that Dinkins got when he was elected in 89, Giuliani got in 93, and, um, and then Bloomberg. Um, so it was interesting to me, but it also, I think, speaks to a different time uh, where people were more likely to be enthusiastic about politicians. So part of it is the time. The other thing, the other observation I make is that Eric Adams is, uh, unlike de Blasio, he's kind of a one of the classic New York mayor types, mayoral types, which is like Ed Koch, how am I doing? Or, or Giuliani, there's a million things I can imitate him on. Or even Bloomberg, who was a, kind of a weird, geeky Boston guy, yet he was quintessentially New York in being you know, a New York mayor guy, a little bit larger than life. And de Blasio was not that. A beam was not that. Uh, Dinkins, to a large degree, was not that, which you might say caused part of his problems. I, I think it's curious or, or interesting. Adams seems to be cut in that mold. And uh, I, I'm interested to see if that ends well for him. It generally has uh, for most mayors, but I'm interested to see what happens uh, down the line. It's interesting that you bring that up, Jay. As you know, I'm New York City born and raised. I'm a current New York City resident. And I was having this discussion with someone close to me and sort of surprised me that this person uh, felt good about Mayor Adams. And the response that I got was, well, at least you feel like he's doing something. And so let me throw this question out there. How much does the perception of Eric Adams as being hardworking or working for New York City have to do with this? And not to give you a double-barreled question, but if crime goes up, you know, crime has been a big problem for New York City and something that Adams is dealing with. If crime goes up or he, this continues to be a problem for the city, you know, what happens to those numbers? How quickly do they go down? Well, I think that could be the Achilles heel. Uh, when we asked about qualities that he has, understanding people's problems was number one. The fourth one, the lower one, was making New York safer. 
and that was still a majority felt that way, uh, but that was the you know fourth of the four. And then also when we asked about just performance, I was handling things. Uh, COVID was the top one. Handling crime was again fourth. So in a sense, the concern that people have about crime is there. Um, I think they're willing, given his relationships through the police community, which they think is positive, uh, the community and police um, department, police officers, uh, people think that he's making good progress in that. Um, I think you know those become potentially liabilities for him down the road. And uh, to Jay's point, uh, the you know the different time period. Yeah, when mayors used to come into office, there was a sense of things might be moving for the better. Things are changing for the better. There's a new day. Um, yeah, people may feel to Mary's point that yeah, things are yeah, the guy's trying to do something. But right now, a lot of people say he's not necessarily making a change, or the number between right direction and wrong direction in the city is almost even in both of those. So it's still a you know you gotta prove me, <laughs> show me uh, that you're really gonna produce down the road, uh, or the numbers as they say it's not solid, it's not firm. Uh, he still needs convincing to do, but he is off to a good start. The other thing, real quick, before we go to your fun fact, uh, um, he has, his administration has mastered being its own broadcast outlet. Uh, between, he just started on TikTok, but that's nothing. They produce these short little videos that are on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook all the time. They're very boosterish, but they're short and they're, they're, and they're great. I just want to say as a media professional, they are great. And I think um, that is at least partly uh, what, it owes to, what owes to his success right now is that he's getting his own message out, not filtered through the media in a super effective way. Lots of politicians complain about it. He's done something about it. Uh, kudos to his team for that. I mean, I'm, maybe not anything else, but on that one, he's really leading the way. He's absolutely tooting his own horn, so to speak. And Lee, that brings us to your fun fact today. Yeah, yeah, you took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth. Uh, Very nice. Let's make a segue between politicians and music. Mario Cuomo, former governor of New York, used to say uh, famously that if you don't toot your own horn, there is no music. So we have there the horn analogy and uh, and Jay's, to Jay's point on the uh, on him standing uh, standing firmly on on in these messages. But the question for the foot fact is a uh, question that was asked in 1991, Princeton Research Associates did this, and they want to know what musical instrument you most like, you would have most liked to play. Um, and I guess this means you didn't necessarily have to play that instrument because sometimes in my case, I was forced against my will to play a violin. I don't think that was my number one choice. And it certainly wasn't the choice of, uh, of a national audience who ranked piano at 42% and guitar at 24%. And then everything else is single digits. Okay, so you guys uh, take out your old, uh, your old guitar case or, or un, uh, open up their piano and tell me which one of these you guys want for. Well, I, as a child, I took keyboard slash piano. So you can kind of lump me into that percentage. Um, but I really wanted to either play the drums, the guitar, or the saxophone. And my parents gave me some excuse about the saxophone and breathing capacity. I just don't think they wanted to hear me practice. So I think that's why they nixed the saxophone. I played <laughs> trumpet, but I always wanted to play guitar. I always wanted to be, you know, like a lead guitarist, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
I could see that 100%, Jen. Yeah, yeah, my parents couldn't, which is why, although a trumpet was noisy practice, I can't believe they survived that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want to bring Athen and Casey into the discussion before we leave, but I, I will say that I wanted to, uh, and I do sort of pick along on a banjo. I wish I could do that a lot better. I was, but banjo, it's so funny you mentioned that. I looked at this and I saw this without looking at the date and said, banjo, oh, this must be one of these polls we pulled from the 40s. <laughs> Thanks a lot. 1990, <laughs> no, but 1991, banjos on there? Banjo? 3%, 3%. These may be people who were alive in the 40s. So it could have yeah. been, I mean, I can, pluck, I can pluck a little bit, but uh, I would put my, my oh, uh, you know, I get all five strings involved, but it's probably a, a, a C level. How's that? Uh, Athen, save us. Athen, save us. Yeah, you're, you're back. <laughs> I, I played saxophone as a kid, but I hated it. I was always told growing up I had long fingers, so I should play the guitar or the piano. And that's what I always wanted to do, but I never ended up playing. Okay, so yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Pick it up now, Casey. I come from a, I come from a very musical family. My brother is in like 80 bands. Um, and uh, my brother played on uh, Broadway in a band, I believe. Um, so I, we want, we always want to play all the instruments is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you play one? I can play a little tiny bit of like five on this list. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. The banjo. The banjo might be explained by the 90s being the beginning of the bluegrass resurgence. Yeah, that's true. So, do you play any banjo? I do not play any banjo. Oh, because I was going to say, you and Lee, we could have a banjo <laughs> duet. It would be like, you know, that <laughs> Devil Went Down to Georgia song or something. Oh, no, that's those an were unfun fact. fiddles. That'd Never mind. An unfun fact. I'll say my father was a piano tuner. That gets you somewhat close to an instrument, right? <laughs> That'll do it for Poll Hub this week. Poll Hub is a production of the Maris Poll at Maris College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our production supervisor. The Poll Hub team includes Ashley Marcinic, Athen Hollis, and Emily Fry. If you enjoy Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review. Positive reviews help other listeners like you find us. If you'd like to learn more about polling and survey science, check out the Maris Poll Academy, our free online learning portal. If you have questions for us, tweet them directly to at Maris Poll. Remember, you can always tell your smart speaker to play Poll Hub and with any luck, it'll cooperate. Finally, wherever you listen to Poll Hub, there is a subscribe button. Click it and the latest episode will be ready for you in your podcasting app as soon as it's released. We'll see you next time. Oh,